Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the city of Los Angeles in Los Angeles, I should say from the city of Angels in Los Angeles, and normally also from the Big Apple in New York City, uh, welcome to my all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver, caregiverdave.com, at, uh, along with my lovely co-host, but not here today, because Adrian was having a rough day and she could not make it today. But we miss her, and uh, I know she'll be doing well, and she might even join us a little later on. We'll see. And we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 25, now there's more like 30 now, global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Facebook, excuse me, Facebook Live, SoundCloud, Block Talk Radio, and about 25, excuse me, burping on the air. Oh, my gosh, that is got to be breaking some kind of rules anyway i'm just going to leave that in there i'm not going to edit that out because this is real <laughs> tv you know real radio i should say anyway we've got all these platforms and we are very proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 count them 50 on player fm and one of the top six best podcasts by caring.com as well as number three podcast out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. Now, we have an exciting show planned for you today. I would normally say, don't we, Adrian? And she would say, yes, we do. But <laughs> I miss Adrian. She's just not here. And our guest today is Linda Bice. And Linda was a caregiver to her husband for a, a few years. Um, 11 they, years and three months. 11 years and three months. And then he went and passed on, and yeah. Linda found herself not a caregiver anymore. And that's a tough place to be for a lot of people. Um, some people would be happy to get the freedom and so on, and some people go into depression because they don't know what else to do because they weren't healthy in their caregiving. They would just give and give and give until there was nothing left to give. They would burn out. Their whole identity was wrapped up in their uh, caregiving duties. They would have uh, isolated themselves so that, um, you know, all their friends kind of deserted them because all they did was complain uh, about the terrible day they had or whatever, and nobody wants to be around Debbie Downer, so they just stopped calling and stopped coming by. And all of a sudden, you find yourself isolated. But it doesn't have to be that way, folks, and Linda Bice is the perfect example, <laughs> whether she <laughs> agrees with me or not, because I'm outside looking <laughs> in, and you know we are our own worst self-critic. But I think she's doing an amazing job. She was doing an amazing job of, of caregiving, and I'll, we'll get in more into that story, which will show you what an angel this person is. But afterwards, she went on living her life. You know, of course, she grieved the passing of her husband. But, you know, when, when um, a spouse or a loved one has a term, terminal illness uh, or a very, very debilitating illness where their quality of life is gone, you know, we've already kind of grieved that. We, we, uh, that anticipatory grief turns into um, a real grief. And then when the person does pass on, uh, a lot of people will say that, well, you know, I knew it was going to happen, but I... I never expected it to happen, and, and I never expected me to react this way, you know. And so a lot of mixed emotions, but we'll get into that. It sounds like I'm doing the interview for her. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started, I do want to thank our last week's guest, um, born and raised in California, and uh, it was Stephanie Erickson, and she was an author, still is an author, actually, <laughs> Plan for Aging Well. And that interview and all our interviews are on my Caregiver Dave membership website, as well as all those other membership, uh, not membership, but all those other platforms that I mentioned earlier. 
So, uh, enough of that. Let us get right to the show. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you so much, Dave. Linda. It's always an honor. I had to think of your name there for a minute. You, you know you're getting <laughs> old and you can't remember what you just said three seconds ago. <laughs> oh, do I know that feeling? <laughs> oh, you're not older than me, are you? <laughs> I just turned 62. So. You're, you're, getting, you're catching up. Anyway, I like to ask my guests, as you know, because you've co-hosted with me many times, um, just who is Linda Bice <laughs> and why was she placed on this earth? Well, um, I have always been creative. I've always had a passion for helping others. And I've always loved to teach. And little did I know that those things were preparing me for all the years of caring for my husband. But um, we were married in 1991. And 15 years into our marriage, um, if it's okay for me to go ahead and tell our uh, give a brief minute um, story. We'll get to that. Uh, I basically okay. wanted to know not what you do, but who are you inside? Who is Linda Bice? You know, what makes her tick? You know what I mean? <laughs> then we'll get into your your details and, and some of the things that prove who you are. Well, first and most important, I am a Christian. And I live to serve God. And I give him every day and uh, for him to lead me, guide me, and direct me. And uh, for me, we're on this earth for two reasons, and that's to serve God and to help others. Um, I yeah. love the beach. <laughs> I passionately love the beach, as all of my friends know. And um, I'm totally obsessed with sea turtles. <laughs> <So> <laughs> as a matter of fact, I spent three months last year on South Padre Island volunteering at the Sea Turtle Hospital, which was on my bucket list. Mm. And, uh, I, I, yeah. I have a new appreciation for sea turtles because I've just – recently been seeing them wherever I go and they're amazing oh, creatures. How they I can swim and do all the and they come in tiny, tiny little sizes to huge. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. amazing. And I understand some of them have been around for a hundred years. Is that true? I know, I know, yeah. Um average age, well anywhere from forty to a hundred years. And uh just, yeah. They're absolutely so far everything amazing. you like right. I like. So we're very compatible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's so, um, that's me. You know, that's, that's um, you. And I you're as cute as a button. You were a model uh, in younger years, right? Many moons ago, yeah. Moons <laughs> in the seventies, eighties, nineties. But you've taken care of yourself. I mean, you haven't let yourself go. You still uh, could model anything, you know, for the uh, respective age group that you're in. Because you know, you my wife gets all these catalogs, you know, <laughs> clothing and yeah. tons, and she's on everybody's mailing list. And, you know, there's there's kids, there's older adults, there's grandparents. They're all models, you know. So and with the baby maybe you can go back knows. into the modeling business uh, yeah, you know, I have... back up unless you hate it by now. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I used to say I get to do this and I get paid too. So, yeah, yeah I absolutely loved it. It was, it was fun. It was really fun. Even getting up at 2 o'clock to be on, you know, to, to be on location at sunrise, you know, I, wow. I still didn't complain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I had to get up at 2 o'clock to make that phone call to get on that television show at 6 a.m. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> but, so, yeah. Um, I'd like to get into your story, but you're in South Carolina now, right? Right. Myrtle Beach. North a famous Myrtle Beach. movie about Myrtle Beach, wasn't there? I know you're in North Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Uh, it had to do, I, I'm trying to remember what it was about, but it's a famous one. It's an old one. Uh, uh, memoirs of Myrtle Beach or something like that? Am I getting it wrong? I don't know. Well, um, you know, the, the Brighton Beach. It's probably Brighton Beach. Too. Yeah. They but Myrtle Beach is famous, too. Right, yeah. Well, North Myrtle is famous for um, uh, the dance, the shag, and oh, they yeah. have huge conventions twice a year for that. And um, I've, So I've did you originally come from the South? That. You have an accent, yes. so you must have originally come from the South. I know. Do you know that when I was modeling, <laughs> back when I first started modeling, I took three years of voice training to get rid of this Southern accent? And oh, but back they're so then, charming. People, actually, uh, people thought I was from California because my <laughs> my accent was gone. And oh. through the years, it has it has yeah, I, it came back. I guess. 
So what state Green. were you from? Still South Carolina. Yep. I was born so in Upper back South home, Carolina. Huh? I did. I really did. And you love it, obviously. Yeah, and I'm closer to um, family, and especially, you know, I've got the two brain tumors, and uh, at, at mm. any moment I can go blind. And Oh, my. I, yeah, yeah. Seriously, at any moment. Um, One eye or two eyes? Both eyes will, yeah, go blind. Boy, the talk about the... uh, trusting God and living moment yeah. by moment and and not worrying yeah. about tomorrow <laughs> for tomorrow yeah. and don't worries. You're That's living it. the gospel, aren't you? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and my, um, you know, we, my son and I talked about, you know, if it happens while I'm driving, what I should do and... He's got my phone set up that where he can absolutely track me anywhere. As a matter of fact, this past, let's see, the third, was it Saturday before last, was my 67th birthday, and my son and his girlfriend drove the four and a half hours to the coast here and literally tracked me down at Walmart buying groceries. <laughs> so it, it, it wow. really works. Like, you can find me anywhere. <laughs> really works. Amazing. So, yeah, that's you you are really an amazing person. I don't want to embarrass you or make you blush. I know you called in, so we can't really see you. I know, right? But, you can't um, <laughs> You know, I've got your picture somewhere, but I'll try to get it up maybe during the break or something. But um, I want you to tell the story that is the most amazing part of you that I know. And it's kind of personal, but you, I know you don't mind sharing your personal story with the world if it will help someone, right? Right. That's what we go through <laughs> Well, I want you to tell the story of how you met your husband and, you know, how you got married and how you got divorced, if you got divorced or separated or whatever it was, and how you got back together again. That is that is a pretty powerful story, yeah. and I think we it talks separated. a lot about your character. Go ahead. We were separated for three months. Um, we met through a blind date, and it was so funny because I would not go on this blind date by myself, so there ended up being five couples going on our first date with Wow, us. talk about chaperones, I, though. I know, right? In the South. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget, He, um, after we ate and we're all sitting around there talking, and um, he looked at me and he said, there's something I want to tell you about myself. And I said, what? And he said, <laughs> I was born in Rome, and I went to school in Paris. And I was like, wow, that's pretty neat. He said, yeah, I was born in Rome, Georgia, and I went to Paris Elementary School. <laughs> oh, you had me going on that one. <laughs> I know. Right what a line, right? huh? <laughs> so, anyway, it was, you know, and it, and I was always, you know, I was modeling back then, and I was always dressed to the T, okay? So, our first day, you know, he was all dressed in, you know, nice black slacks and a white dress shirt and uh, drove this really nice car. Well, when he came to pick me up for our second date, I looked out the peephole and I was like, who in the world is that? Because he had on a flannel shirt, blue jeans, and was driving a pickup truck. <laughs> so it was kind of like Cinderella, but with the mail. He borrowed his brother's car and uh, his brother's dress shirt, and I think he had his own black pants. But it was so funny. I opened the door and I'm dressed to the T in in um and heels and all. And I was like, uh, I don't think I'm dressed for the occasion. He goes, No, you look fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, funny. But needless to say, we fell in love and uh, we were married October the sixth, uh, two thousand. Never mind. Nineteen. <laughs> I want to say two thousand. October the sixth, nineteen ninety one. And that just happened to be my parents' anniversary. So um, it was really neat to be set. We always, you know, we had our anniversaries on the same day. Oh. But um, 15 years, in, well, in uh, 1993, we had our son, Trammel, and um, absolutely an amazing, uh, I, I, I can't say how blessed I am to have a son like him. And, um, yeah, I don't he even know what boy. I would have done without him. But uh, he is absolutely amazing. He is our family's hero. But um, then uh, 15 years into our marriage, um, he, he had not been faithful all the time. And I, uh, I wanted to believe that everything would be, you know, be okay. 
And it got to where, yeah, and I had friends tell me, you know, Linda, this is not right. You know, this is really abuse. Um, I mean, there were things like my appendix ruptured and I had gangrene because he would not take me to the emergency room because it was raining. Mm-hmm. You know, just things like that. And um, so 15 years into our marriage on Christmas morning, well, no, let me back up. Um, on March 25th, 2006, um, um, that was 15 years into the marriage, um, he had a massive heart attack, and which is a miracle that he survived. And um, he was in the hospital 11 days, had to have open heart surgery, quadruple bypass. And, uh, of course, we brought him home, and he did great. Um, he... Uh, matter of fact, he started uh, walking and exercising. We started eating right, which I had begged him for mm. years, <laughs> uh, and uh, smoke. He had smoked his whole life, and he stopped smoking. And um, so, you know, he, he was doing good, and then um, a couple of months after he got back to work, he turned into the same person that he was. Mm. And it, things just got so bad that Trammell and I packed up one day while he was at work, and we went to Charleston. And um, I found a place, and we uh, we stayed there for three months. As a matter of fact, David and I got closer then than, than we had been in years because you remember the next tail walkie-talkies? Yeah. We had those. And he and I spoke all the time, I mean, having conversations that we had not had in years. And the awesome thing is he grew closer to our pastor, um, and, and he, he accepted Christ, and he was literally becoming a changed man. And this is all while Trammell and I were gone. So in December, he kept saying, I want you to come home for Christmas because I want to show you the person I've become now, you know, how, how I've changed. So um, we agreed, and we were all excited because to get to, you know, be at home for Christmas was really important. And um, it was thrilling for Trammell, of course, because, you know, any child hates to see their parents going through this sort of thing. And um, so the awesome thing was, I think Christmas Eve was on Sunday, and we went to church, and one of these blessings that you look back and say, man, that was just so awesome that that happened. We usually... Um, it was Mountain Creek Baptist Church, and we would usually have uh, communion um, where we each person would sit, you know, at their own seat. Well, this time they wanted to do it differently, and each family walked to the front and had communion as a family. And that was, it was so precious, you know, that we did that. Little did we know what that night was going to bring. Mm. So we went home, well, went home, of course, and David cooked. David was an amazing cook, and Trammell inherited that. Um, he sure, he did not get it from me at all, <laughs> <laughs> but Trammell is like a chef, and that's the way his dad was. I mean, they they're amazing. So David cooked all day. He cooked the turkey and um, dressing and, and all the uh, uh, trimmings So for us to have the next day. And that night at 9 o'clock, we all went to bed, and about 2 o'clock that morning, I, and I always say it was God that woke me up, because I literally just sat up in bed all of a sudden, and I, and I always slept with um, night lights, you know, um, which is ironic that I always have lights on, seeing that I could go completely blind at any moment, <laughs> but um, so I always had lights on. And I looked over at him, and his eyes were wide open, and his mouth was open. And, I, of course, I had no idea what was going on. And um, his, all of a sudden, his whole body started to shake. Well, at this point, I'm already um, reaching over him, hitting speakerphone 911 on the phone. Uh-huh. And about that time, you know, I'm, by this time, I'm giving the um, 911 worker our address and all this. And I said, something's wrong with my husband. He had a massive heart attack. Uh, it was nine months ago, and, and um, so I'm spitting out all this information, and then all of a sudden, everything stops. And I, you know, I just started screaming, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. And as I am saying that, I am literally um, crawling over him, jerking his pillow out from under him, and starting 
um, CPR immediately. Now, that was God that took over. Did you, did you skip a small point. little part about uh, when, you, when you broke up and then uh, he, he begged the forgiveness? And then how long was it after uh, uh, you, you went back with him that, that this occurred yep. again? Yeah, we left, um, Trammell and I left the end of October, mm -hmm. and this was Christmas. So it was a little over two months, well, around two months, because it was the end of October when we left, and it was um, the week of Christmas when we came back. Wow. So and, many, first of all, uh, your amazing unforgiveness. Uh, they say that uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hope the other person dies. That's and exactly yet, right. um, you'd be surprised how many um, uh, ex-spouses of caregivers go back to their ex after they become disabled and are now their caregiver. And, uh, you know, they can't stand each other. They can't live with each other. But apparently there's enough love there to go back to them and care for them. But you actually went back to him before this, and then yeah. it happened. And, yeah. oh. you know, so, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say a precious moment that happened that day too, or the day before Christmas Eve. Um, I was in the kitchen and David said, come here a minute. And uh, I went in there and he reached in his pocket and he had this beautiful cross ring yeah. that he had had made. Yeah. And he said, this is, I'm giving you this with a promise that I will be the husband and the father that you and Trammell deserve from now on. So and that, that did was it for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, I can't even describe that. It's bringing tears to my eyes. It's like, what a gift, you know, what a gift. Not just, not the material, but the promise. Sure. That was an amazing Christmas gift. Um, I'm and showing all these pictures on your Facebook page of, of <laughs> David and you and... Uh, here's one where you're wiping his face and he's kind of snarling at you. And, oh, he, yeah, he hated to get his face washed. <laughs> you know how kids hate to get their face washed, and that's exactly yeah. the way he was. It was so cute. So he's like a child, right? Uh, yeah. He, uh, yeah. Tell me all that. the things that he cannot do at, yeah. after this happened. All right. So um, by the time we got, uh, by the time the ambulance got there and they got him to the hospital and got him hooked on to life support, he had actually been down one hour and 20 minutes. The, uh, the EMS guys, the guys from the fire department, who knew us, you know, they knew David, and they thought he was gone. I mean, they, they were not even working on him at that point, right? So the, um, the doctor had ordered the team to come down and um, hook him up to life support, and we found out later that the team took 45 minutes to get down there. So he had been gone all that time. Well, um, four days later when they unhooked, when they turned the um, uh, life support off, he began to breathe, which was amazing. So they hooked it back up and weaned him off over the next few days. Because of that time th that he was dead, um, he had severe brain damage. He was like an infant. He lost all memory back to the 70s. He um, had no short-term memory whatsoever. Um, about 10, 15 minutes at the most. And he was in diapers. He, um, we uh, gave him a baby bottle to drink out of. And, uh, the color it, it and stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, as I always put it, God took my husband but gave me a precious six-foot baby boy. <laughs> and he, that was exact, he thought I was his mommy. And um, so... Um, what was what was really neat and uh, remarkable is um, he, and this went on for 11 years and three months, every six to eight weeks, he went from an infant to about a preteen. And then one morning, he, you know, he would wake back up and he would be an infant again. And over that period of those wow. uh, six to eight weeks, he would go into different stages, and I knew exactly what stage he was in. I had toys and activities, yeah, for each stage that he was in. And I mean, and it sounds—I guess it sounds weird to say um, when you're talking about your husband. But my favorite stage when he was that when that was going on was like four, five, six, seven years old, because that's when he was excited about doing crafts and and and. And popcorn movie time and, you know, and all this stuff. I 
I made this wheel, which um, I divided up and had all the different activities that he loved to do, or that you know that I have, uh, like uh, what was it Bible story time, uh, popcorn movie time, arts and craft time, going outside, you know, all these different activities. And I would, a uh, Play-Doh, he loves playing with Play-Doh, and um, all these um, different activities, school time. I, I had school with him every day. But I would let him pick out which activity, because he couldn't tell me. He he didn't know to have a conversation or to say, no oh, language. I want to do this or I want to do that. You know, he could talk, but he didn't, whatever that is in our brain that uh, enables us to have a conversation or to ask for what we need, he couldn't tell me if he was in pain or if he was hungry or if his diaper was wet or any, you know, he didn't know how to do that. So I made that wheel and he would point, you know, he'd pull, put the little um, arrow to what he wanted to do next. But, um, yeah, it was, and, and the night times, oh my goodness, I didn't sleep. It was very rare for me to sleep uh, more than a couple of hours at night because I was up and down every other hour to check and make sure that he wasn't wet or mm. or diapers or, too, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, and he had to have he was in the baby diaper. Even shop. when he was into the preteen, uh, the diaper. Right. Yeah. See, that was one thing mm. that was continued. Yes. Yeah. He uh, he never did. Yeah. He couldn't potty train him because if you tried in ten to fifteen minutes. That yeah. was erased. How many times did he cycle through the the baby to the preteen? Oh, uh, we're talking every eight to six weeks for eleven years and oh three months. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. That's like uh, that movie with uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fifty First Dates. Fifty and, uh, First Dates, Ten Second yeah. Tom. Yeah, yeah. That was wow. yeah. And you know what? We used to watch that movie all the time, and I used to say, "Little did I know that was my training film." <laughs> had no idea, except of course David was much worse than 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 she because um you know she was able to function you know but but yeah he that yeah, was, yeah. I, I know yeah, there's some was, people yeah. there's some people listening to this and are just in shock and unbelief. We're gonna take a short break and when we get back I want you to talk about uh, we talked about all the positive things from this and all the the cute things and and you know but I want to talk about all the hard things and and the things that you would cry yourself to sleep with at night and stuff like that. If if there was any, which I, I think there probably had to be. Your there was. There. I, I didn't cry, but there was right. tons of yeah, nightmares. <laughs> so we will be right back. Don't go away. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver on sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. And we're back with Linda Bice on the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Caregiver Dave. Dave Nassani, caregiverdave.com. And we were just talking about all of the fun things about uh, caring for Linda's um, infant baby husband, <laughs> to put it uh, the only way I know how. And, uh, you know, there's lots of positive things about it and lots of good times and good memories. And But I asked her to think about all of the excuse me, the hard times, the times she cried herself to sleep. I'm sure there were some of those, weren't there, Linda? Well, you know, I never cried. This is so weird. When things happen to me, you know, I, I for some reason I don't cry. Um, I cry at Hallmark movies, <laughs> and I cry when I see others in pain. Um, I, I broke down a couple of times, but I... 
you know, I always handed everything over to God. And every time something horrible happened, which there were plenty of times, I number one, I would hit my knees and give it to God. And I knew that it, there was a reason for everything, you know, that, that God was working on something. Every time, um, what I would say, the, every time the, the devil would mean things for harm, God always took them and turned them into these amazing blessings or this absolute miracle. So that happened time and time again. But, but so many times, David would go through, and it was always at night, what we called uh, psychotic episodes. Now, when David had no idea that he could get out of the bed, as in if the house was on fire, he wouldn't know to get up and go. He, just like an infant, he would wait for me to come and get him and, you know, and get him up, right? So when he went through these psychotic episodes, the first thing he would do was get out of bed. and. So uh, my son actually fixed a monitoring system to where uh, even when I was in my bed, in you know, in my bedroom, I could keep uh, an eye on him. You know, I'd wake up all during the night when I did. Well, I was up and down anyway, but all I had to do was wake up and I would see the monitor. Well, I would wake up, look at the monitor, and the bed would be empty. Of course, you know, my feet hit the floor and I'm flying to his room, and normally. He would be wandering around. Uh, bless his heart, his diaper would pr- usually be wet during that time too. Um, he would be. Ho- I remember he would be holding his diaper, wandering around, just like a toddler would be. And he was always looking for his late brother. His brother. Um, he had a brother that was murdered in the mm. in, in the seventies. Yeah. Um, he was a year so he had older. Some than memory. Him. Some memory. Yeah. He, See, that was in the 70s. He, he, he lost all memory back to the 70s. So anything that was in the 70s or earlier, he remembered. And see, when, when, this, when he would go through the psychotic episodes, he thought he was in the 70s. He thought he was a little boy and that he was always looking for his brother because his brother and him shared a bedroom when they were growing up. Mm. So he, he couldn't understand why his brother wasn't in there. So every time... He had a psychotic episode. That is what would happen. He would be hunting his brother. And he was also terrified because it was like he didn't know me during these episodes. And here I am trying to get him to come back to bed. And, and he, is, he was literally like a terrified child. He would, go, mm. he would go to the front door trying. We had a special lock on the front door because he would try to get out. And uh, he just wanted, and he kept saying, I just want to go home. I want to go home. And because, see, his home was his childhood home. So he could actually talk then. Yeah, yeah. And that was, see, it was a completely different him when he was having a psychotic episode. He was literally like normal, like a child. I always guess like a five, six, or seven-year-old is what I um, guess. But when he was a a preteen, he couldn't talk, right? Now, now, see, that's when you're going with the preteen and all that, that's when he's going through his the age groups. But when he was in the psychotic episode, you're talking about a whole, you know, a whole other thing. Mm. So, um, yeah. And what, the what, hope did doctors, episode, what hope did doctors give you for his prognosis? Is just going to be like no, that the rest of his life? Yeah. The, yeah. As a matter of fact, when we brought him home, oh, my goodness, they never thought he would live, you know, more than six months to a year. And he lived eleven years and three months. But what did he? What did my, he finally die of? He a cardiac arrest. Um, as a matter of fact, I spoke at his memorial. Trammell and I stood up there and I said, "God ended it as quickly as He began this journey. It started with cardiac arrest on Christmas morning, two thousand six, and it ended with cardiac arrest on April the ninth, two thousand eighteen." Was he overweight before that? No. See, that's what was wild. Never been overweight. Um, he, to look at him, he was the picture of health. Mm-hmm. It, it blew everybody's mind when, when he had his first heart attack. But, yeah, wow. he's a, um, it, it, it oh. was a Tuesday afternoon, and uh, he went into cardiac arrest and, and was gone. And that 
I'll tell you the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. Of course, we're dialing 911, and uh, this is when he passed away um, in April of 2018. Uh, I'm on the phone with 911. Trammell uh, is, uh, I was started doing CPR, and then Trammell took over, and um, the doorbell's ringing. I'm running to the door to bring the first of the many um, EMS and police and all that. You know how when you call 911, everybody yeah. comes. So I ran to the door, and as I'm bringing the guy down the hall. There's Trammell standing over his dad doing CPR with all his might, uh, trying to bring him back. And that, how old was Trammell? He, uh, let's see, Trammell was 13 when it happened to begin with and 25 when his dad passed away. And uh, he, was, he was working with all his might trying to save his dad. You know, and I said that was heartbreaking it was uh, trammel is our hero like i said he's our family's hero but it, he was a hero but that was the most heartbreaking thing i've ever seen him trying to save his dad so let's talk about trammel how did he handle all of this in the 11 years of that and growing up um and is he scarred by it uh what what oh, uh well, what does he carry forward into life from that experience um, to make things worse for Trammell, well, for all, well, for Trammell and me, but mostly for Trammell, um, a year and a month after that happened to his dad, Trammell himself was paralyzed from the waist down wow. due to a rare virus called acute transverse mellitus. Super Bowl Sunday of 08, four, about 4 p.m. in the afternoon, he came in the house. Well, the condo, we had moved down to Charleston. I had moved us down to Charleston trying to get near um, uh, MUSC for David. Little did I ever dream in a million years that Trammell would be the one ended up in MUSC. Um, My alma mater, by the way. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yep. 76. Wow. Business. Wow. That's so cool. But, um, say, uh, it was Super Bowl Sunday of 08. Trammell came in, ran upstairs. And he was getting his game room cleaned up because he had uh, some buddies coming over to watch the Super Bowl. Well, I am changing David's diaper in the next room. And about the time I'm almost halfway through changing his diaper, I hear Trammell yell. And he's like, Mom. And I said, what is it? And he goes, my back. And I said, did you hurt it? And he's, you know, we're hollering back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> and um. And he said, no, it just hurts. And I said, well, hang on a minute, and I'll get you some Tylenol. Never dreaming in a million years what was happening to that child. So I get through with the diaper, and I'm walking through the bedroom door. And now Trammell is in the hallway, in the floor, and he's saying, I can't feel my legs. can't feel my legs. Oh, and, wow. Um, I know. So Just one I thing think, after another, huh? Yeah. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. So um, <laughs> got him to the uh, hospital. They immediately called the ambulance and sent him to MUSC and where he was diagnosed and uh, we spent a couple of weeks there and they sent him home in a wheelchair saying this is it you know you're going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life love the and, way they uh, diagnose these patients huh? yeah oh yeah well as a matter of fact you know i i was like i'm a mom so no this is not it right <laughs> and um i got a hold of um shriners in philadelphia you know, uh, shriners in greenville where i was a volunteer there for years and they said that there was nothing that could be done. So they got me in touch with Shriners in Philadelphia. Now, keep in mind that I'm also taking care of David during all of this, too. And um, so I got a hold of uh, Shriners in Philadelphia, and they flew all three of us to the Spine Hospital in Philadelphia. Wow. We were there all in one hospital at no room cost, together. Right? right, at no cost. Oh, my goodness, yeah. And, um, they, Those commercials are correct then, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, can, I cannot tell you or thank uh, Shriners enough. It, they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. As a matter of fact, um, we were in that hospital room for a month. And see, when, when you're paralyzed, people don't think, you know, nothing functions anymore. Uh, you have to calf and, and uh, there is, and your bowels, you know, don't work properly. And so I am... Uh, you know, talking to different people in and out of the room, and I keep saying that we're praying for recovery. He's going to walk again. I know he's going to walk again. We're praying for recovery. So one day this nurse pulls me to the side, and she goes, Miss Bice, 
you have got to stop giving your son's false hope. <laughs> he he will not walk again. You've got to accept that. He's going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And wow. and I can't remember what I said something to her, but it was along the lines of you don't know our God. And <laughs> the awesome, amazing thing was the week before we left there, Trammell became, as a matter of fact, he made hospital history becoming the first acute transverse mellitus patient they had ever had to be able to stand and take a step. And they put him in the medical journals. They took pictures. They took him down to the front of the hospital and took pictures. And, I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. They brought doctors and nurses and students in there. And for every group that they brought in, they let me talk, and I got to give our testimony, our story to all of those people. And Trammell said, and this brings tears to my eyes. Trammell told me, he said, Mom, if just one person gets saved, it was worth going through all this. And you don't know how many people walked out of that room with tears in their eyes. And today Every- Trammell can, t- can walk with no yes. limp? He, yes. Well, um, he, he still can't feel his legs or feet, right? Really? And that's why it's still amazing. Yeah, he is a, he's literally a walking miracle. And uh, he's got braces from the knees down. He just had to have another surgery last year because um, one foot is drop foot, but the other one is spastic, and it was literally turning all the way around. And um, so they went in and cut ah. all all the ligaments and tendons, all the tendons, so it, the foot would fit down into the brace. And, and uh, so does but, he yeah, wear he, a brace or no more? Yeah, no, he has to wear braces. He wears uh, braces on both legs. But he he's walking. He's walking just as yeah. good as I am. <laughs> so, but yeah, it took him. He was still in the wheelchair for three hours. I mean, three for three years. And uh, he went from wheelchair to um, uh, a walker to Canadian crutches to a walking cane. And then uh, I guess it's been about five years ago. He said, "You know what, Mom? I don't think I need this cane." So, and let, and you know he ha- he falls. He still you know he falls a lot, but. He is. He never gives up, and he he's continuously getting wounds on the bottom of his feet because there's no circulation, you know. And um, the now what's the, the mus- reason all this happened again? Because uh, a virus called acute transverse mellitus. It is so rare. <clears throat> you, it's only one in a million that not contagious. And they don't. No. Uh, and they, they don't know no how he got what, it. Uh, no, no idea how you get it, or and there's really no cure. So he is, you know, he is a miracle. And you it know, can strike you. It's true. All of our tomorrows are just not guaranteed. You better enjoy Absolutely. today. And That's exactly right. I, I don't think you could have made it. We haven't even gotten to the rest of the stuff that's happened to you. <laughs> I don't think you could have made it without your faith in God. Um, oh, I know. I know I couldn't. There's no way. And people will come up to you and they'll, they'll you know, poo-poo. Oh, yeah, isn't that isn't that cute? Isn't that sweet? Yes. <laughs> she believes in God, yeah. But you know what? Yeah. I, I dare them to have to go through what you have went through yeah. and not have God. <laughs> there is no way. I cannot It's not just a crutch, is it? I mean, he actually yeah. comes through with miracles yeah. and provision. Oh, oh, you would not believe. Um, see, I mean, everything from I lay down in bed one night and I thought, oh, my goodness, I forgot to make tea. And I was so tired, I didn't want to get up and make any more, or make it, okay? Because we always kept tea, you know, in the refrigerator. We're a southern family. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I laid down, and, yeah, and the doorbell rang. And I was like, who in the world is come, you know, coming to the house at 9 o'clock at night? And um, I went to the door, and I looked out, and there was our preacher's two daughters. I opened up the door, and guess what? They handed me. Each tea. one of them had a gallon of tea. Each gallon, one of them had huh? a gallon of tea, and the the kids behind them, they had had a meeting, a youth meeting at the church, and they brought us all the leftovers, the, the leftover sandwiches and two gallons of tea. So, I mean, everything from that to, oh, I'm, when I was on South Padre Island last year, I'm driving from church uh, back to the condo, and I'm thinking, and, and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know how much more my car is going to take because I had over 200,000 miles on it, right? And, it, you know, I know that there's going to come a time and this car is not going to 
as a matter of fact, it's dead right now, but <laughs> that car is. But um, within 48 hours, a friend of ours from Anderson called and said, I wanted to let you know, I just bought a new car, and if you want mine, I'll sell it to you. And literally for less than half of what it was worth. Because I wow. said, well, I don't have any money you know, to pay. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, whatever you can sell your car for, you can just pay me that. So, wow. yeah, and this, yeah, and this was like a car that's, what, 10 that's years so newer cool. than what I was driving. But, I mean, in everything, oh, my goodness, even um, I want to buy a condo down here. I've decided that I'm going to stay, you know, in North Myrtle Beach. And within 24 hours, a lady contacted me and said, I will sell you, uh, as a matter of fact, I know this lady. She is absolutely precious, and she is, um, uh, I mean, she's, she is an angel. Um, she said, I'll sell you my condo, and better yet, I'll finance it for you if you like it. Wow. I know. And, and it's, is it, um, is and it the, on the water? I see you on the water a lot. Yes. It's, um, uh, it's across the street from the ocean, and it has a lake behind nice. it. So, yeah. Ocean so, and a yeah. lake on both sides. I know, right? <laughs> it's a win-win. But I mean, wow. it's, I mean, God is good. It's like, and this has happened time and time and time again. Every need, diapers. Oh my goodness, thousands of dollars worth <laughs> of diapers we went through, and we never ran out because even when I've gotten down to one diaper, the phone would ring and say, uh, you know, somebody would say, so and so has some diapers. The sad thing is that they always had them when somebody had passed away. But um, they would say, you know, so somebody has some diapers. Do you want them? I'm like, yes, I'm down to two diapers. I'm down to one diaper. But we never ran out. Never. In all those 11 years and three months, we never ran out of diapers. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you're using, every, how many a day are you using? Oh, man. We went through between, what, seven and 12 diapers a day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was. It was. Well, listen, we're going to yeah. take a break, and then I want to get into the uh, f- f- as the plot thickens, and we get further <laughs> into uh, when you think things can't get worse, they suddenly they get worse. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave the Caregivers Caregiver Radio Program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just just didn't know know what to do. do. I I felt guilty guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day, life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. And we're back with the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Caregiver Dave. I'm Dave Nassani at caregiverdave.com. And we're talking to Linda Bice. And Linda is not a caregiver anymore, after caregiver. She's graduated. And we're talking about hope for caregivers who are struggling and going through tough times and wondering if they're in caregiver prison with no possibility of parole and will it ever end? And did you ever feel like that, Linda? Well, you know, the sad thing and the sad truth about um, being a caregiver that um, is that your freedom only comes through the death of your loved one. I mean, talk about bittersweet. Yeah, bittersweet. You know, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's heartbreaking and you almost feel guilty you know that mm -hmm. that i'm i'm free now but my my precious husband had to die you know for me to be free so it's it's absolutely heart wrenching when you think about uh, that it but is. um how do you I, deal with the guilt well it's like i he's there one minute and anyone who's lost a spouse knows i mean he's there one minute and then he's gone and there is this this emptiness and this like you're standing i'm sorry <laughs> i'm standing in the doorway going what do i do now you know what what do i do now and um to make matters worse um my health had uh, started going down and i had um by was he passed away in april and by november 1st i'm or the first part of november i'm in surgery having over half my colon removed and uh, and before that uh, diagnosed with two brain tumors so i'm you know <laughs> wow. yeah yeah so it's like okay um i gotta start paying attention more attention to me you know i tried to always be healthy and take care of myself while i was taking care of david but anybody who knows you know is, who's a, a full-time caregiver it, you're on the back burner you know and it's you really really have to drive and and take care of yourself and it's so easy to put everything else and everybody else first but just like you talked about on an airplane you know you got to take care of you before you can take care of everybody else but my health had gone down so um surgery and then eight weeks to uh recuperate and then what was left of my colon became inflamed and infected and yeah I, that was a few months of of uh, really bad and as a matter of fact my son became my caregiver at that point more uh, for wow. those couple of months so you know it's i woke up one morning and i'm thinking well number one one of these tumors I am told by my doctor can make me go blind at any moment. So if it starts to grow, I will go. He said, you'll see tunnel vision and then everything will be black. And then that's it. There is no surgery or nothing that you can do that's going to stop that. And um, so I, of course, hand that over to God. The other brain tumor is um, both of them are too dangerous for surgery. The other one is if it begins to grow, it can puncture the lining and all of the um, fluid in my brain will leak out and I will die. So the funny thing is when, why does it take something like that to make you say, wait a minute, what am I doing? I, I want to I start living. I want to do mm -hmm. all the things I've always wanted to do. I want, and so my Your thing bucket list, like, okay, you mean? Bucket, what I was about to say. How many I'm, things are on I'm your bucket starting list? Starting on my bucket list. Well, number one was to go to South Padre Island. I mean, this has been on my bucket list for like, what, decades. To go back to South Padre Island, where I, where I lived for a while in the 80s, and volunteer at the Sea Turtle Hospital there. And actually, I actually did that last year. This time last year, I was on South Padre Island for three months volunteering at Sea Turtle Hospital. And it was absolutely amazing. And, and I drove. I drove all the way down there. And I took my time. I drove to about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, I had uh, hotels, you know, booked all the way down. And it was, okay. it was an amazing journey. And so when I left there uh, last December, I did the same thing, except I traveled more in Texas. And um, I visited some wonderful places and uh, even went to see the silos in Waco, Chip and Joanna silos. Mm. So uh, I couldn't leave Texas without that. And then I came back to um, the upstate of South Carolina and spent a month. And then I came down here to North Myrtle Beach and stayed until the end of um, of uh, March. And that's when COVID-19 uh, was ramping up. As a matter of fact, they were sending everybody that wasn't a permanent resident um, back away. You know, mm. So I went back to the upstate. And um, as a matter of fact, um, before I started my travels, I gave our home to our son. And um, I gave wow. uh, a condo, yeah, a condo on Lake Hartwell. 
I gave it to um, our son and uh, then began traveling. And uh, so then um, when I went back up to the upstate, I stayed at Lake Jocassee, which um, we've always loved Lake Jocassee. And um, I spent the summer up there. And now I am back down here in North Myrtle Beach. And I did go back to South Padre Island for a month during the summer. And uh, but yeah, I think I think my traveling days. I think I'm as I joked about. I'm ready to put some roots in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to stay here in North Myrtle Beach and uh, just do you know short trips and stuff like that to explore. What advice would but, you give other caregivers who find themselves suddenly in your position, where you says, to, "Now what do I do?" Yeah, to not uh, once the shock you know is over. Um, start making your list of all the things you wanted to do. Even not if you only, feel guilty? Yeah. Well, that, you know, that guilt is like something that, that we have to get over because we did, like in my, you know, to me, I did everything I could to make every single day of David's life wonderful mm. and, and all the things that I could come up with. And, Anything that I knew that would would brighten his day, that was what I did. My you know my life was to to serve him and our son Trammel, and to to bring joy and happiness you know any way that I could. And so when I look back, I did everything I did everything yeah. that I could, and it was God you know who took him. So that was and it's God's plan, and God's plan is always the right plan. Right. We may not understand it. But but all we have to do is trust him. On Christmas morning, 2006, he took my husband. But on on April the night, 2018, he took my baby boy. That was I had become David's mother, and I mourned as a mom. Wow. So, but you know we have to straighten ourselves back up and and look around and say, okay, God, what plans do you have for me now? And when I wake up in the mornings, I, of course, I have Bible study and prayer time every day, and I give the day to God. You know, what is it that you want me to do? Yeah. You know, I'm the one that's left here, you know, from this, this couple that was joined, and I'm the one that's left, so I have a purpose. My purpose for all those years was to take care of my husband and my family. My mm. purpose now is is everything or anything that God has planned for me. And that's the the most important thing. That's how you get through everything. That's how you get through caregiving. <laughs> that's how you get through life. And that's what all you have to do is look toward him and ask him to take absolute full control over every situation in your life, and he will literally map it out. And I, I've got chills all over proof. me. You're yeah, proof. and so am every I. Every day, yeah. I don't know how people do it without God. I really don't. I, I cannot and, imagine. Uh, so uh, I can't believe how fast the time has flown. We were out of time. I know. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for you are so giving opportunities for people to hear your story and, and being challenged to maybe bring God in their life. Um, Amen. It's it's not that difficult, is it? I mean, all you have to do is just ask them to help you. Uh, there's anyone yes. who knocks, uh, he'll open the door, and it's it's as simple Amen. as that, right? Amen. Amen. And Amen. I've seen it so many times. Mm. All right. Well, thank you again, Linda. And if anybody wants to uh, talk to you some more or something you said really uh, struck with them, um, how can they uh, contact you, email or whatever? thebystamily at gmail.com Awesome. Again, thank you for coming on. It's just a reminder, go to caregiverdave.com and we've got three free gifts waiting for you. All you got to do is go there and, and introduce yourself and we'll send them off to you and they will help you be a better caregiver. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise like the birds will never sing again. Believe in a